Hello and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host, Tyler Callahan, and we got the usual box office numbers, updates from Hollywood, and an update from Regal about reopening. Let's start with the numbers. So, Tom and Jerry surprised everyone with its debut, opening at first place with 13.7 million. In second place is The Cruise, A New Age with 1.2 million for a total of 52.3 million. In third place was The Little Things with 925,000 for a total of 12.9 million. In fourth place was Wonder Woman 1984 with 710,000 for a total of 43.6 million. Lastly, in fifth place was The Marksman with 700,000 for a total of 12.3 million. Yeah, so Tom and Jerry had a really good opening weekend, especially since it got bad reviews from critics and it was on HBO Max. I also noticed that it opened in 2,475 theaters, which is the highest I believe since Wonder Woman 1984. So what can we take away from this? Well, at least for now, the HBO Max move Warner Media made, while pissing off a lot of people, seems to be working. Wonder Woman made around 50 million domestic or just under, but to be fair, the public reception on that was bad and now Tom and Jerry had a strong opening. This leads me to the next thing we see here and that is families are the ones ready, ready to go back to the theaters than other compared to other groups. Over the last few months, the biggest movies have been those two and the crudes. All family movies, the ones that have not done well, are serious dramas or thrillers, as seen with The Little Things, and Judas and the Black Messiah, and News of the World. This actually makes sense since uh, families have been cooped up together for about a year now and they need some way to get out of the house. Theaters are a way to do that, especially since there are new movies coming. This also, mean, also means Raya, a Disney movie with assuming good reviews, should do great this weekend. If Cinemark was not an issue. That's right, as of this recording, Cinemark is right now refusing to play Raya in any of its theaters. Why? Well, there are no specific numbers, but Deadline is reporting that Disney, unlike other studios, has stayed firm with their terms for playing the movie. You know how many screens it gets, uh, how much of a cup or ticket they get, and so on. This is in sharp contrast to Warner Brothers, who after the whole HBO Max mess, had offered theaters better than usual terms to play the movies, and they have done so. And unlike Universal, which made a whole new theater exhibition window with Cinemark, uh, I guess the theater chain hoped that because the movie would be a premier access movie on Disney+, Plus, they uh, would have also gotten a better terms. Uh, but no. <laughs> it's Disney. What do you expect? So from what Deadline is saying, the studio is staying, staying firm, and they are still talking, and that is not surprising. Uh, Disney does not budge. And if they did not budge for terms with Star Wars when everything was fine, uh, why would they budge now? This is the first movie they have released in theaters, domestically, since Onward last year. Almost literally a year ago. I would not be surprised if they think theaters should be grateful that they want to do a release now and not delay it or do a streaming-only release like Soul. I will see what happens, but I think as long as Disney is not increasing the rates from the usual movies they release, then Cinemark should just agree to it and move on. I will say AMC must be happy about this. With Regal still closed, they are now the only big chain in the country showing this, this movie. So with this battle going on, I think Raya will get close but not beat Tom and Jerry's uh, opening and probably come in around the 10 to 12 million dollar range. But I could be completely wrong, maybe there is uh, a lot of hype for this, maybe families really want to see a Disney movie and do it does 15, 16, but we'll see. Uh, domestically this weekend, though, will be very interesting. We have Raya and Chaos Walking coming out, though that one's probably going to bomb a little bit. But hey, you know, two new wide releases and New York City theaters are now starting to open. Now taking a look at China, Tom and Jerry had an underwhelming premiere. We'll get to that in a minute. Staying in first place was a high mom with 53.3 million. 
to bring its total to 744 million. In second place was Detective Chinatown 3 with 19.7 million for a total of 667 million. In third place was Endgame with 14.5 million for a total of 70 million. Fourth place was A Writer's Odyssey with 12.4 million for a total of 138 million. Finally, in fifth place was Tom and Jerry with 12.4 million. So yeah, weak opening for the movie, but it does not help that the holdovers from the movies from a new year are still strong, at least some of them. Looking past fifth place was New Gods and Easy to Reborn with 5 million for the weekend, for example. Now with Raya coming out next week in China as well, I doubt it will have the legs to finish anywhere past 25 million when it finishes its run. As for the other movies, well, Hi Mom is now completely done with Detective Chinatown 3, and it's looking at the all-time records now. This week it passed Avengers Endgame and Wandering Earth to become the third biggest movie in the country of all time. And now sits behind Niza and Wolf Warrior 2. The movie review site Moyen, that I mentioned sometimes, is projecting it to take second place spot away from Niza, but failed to take first. We will see if that is the case. Looking at some worldwide numbers, Tom and Jerry overall is now at 38.8 million worldwide. For a movie with a budget of 50 million plus advertising, that's not bad at all so far. Soul is now at 111.7 million worldwide. Raya should be able to pass this worldwide total in about two weeks or so, depending on how strong the domestic and China market is for it. Wonder Woman 1984 is now at 161 million, and The Cruise of the New Age is at 156.1 million. Just 5 million to go. It's a slow crawl, but the cruise is getting closer. Got a quick release date announcement Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, which was set to come out in January in Japan, but was pushed back due to coronavirus. We'll have a quick turnaround and come out March 8th. At first, I thought that was a bit too quick without promoting it, but to be fair, people have been waiting for this movie for years now, so they would keep up to date and they would know when it comes out. Uh, if it actually does come out on March 8th, uh, I will keep an eye on the numbers and let you know. Last week, I was wondering what Regal would do in response to New York City now being allowed to reopen, and it turns out they are digging their heels in. The movie theater chain released a message on social media basically saying until LA opens and studios stop pushing back movies, they will reopen. For the New York City news, they were encouraged by it. So there you have it. The fate of Black Widow and F9 not being delayed comes down to Los Angeles reopening as soon as possible. Deadline is reporting that the here the LA market will be allowed to reopen sometime in March with restrictions, obviously, but nothing is set just yet. For movies and development in Hollywood, we got one but possibly big story depending on how it turns out. Deadline has confirmed that Warner Brothers is working on a new Superman movie. Right now, the only thing's confirmed is that J.J. Abrams, with his Bad Robot studio, will produce it, and I'm gonna butcher his name, sorry, uh, Ty Nahis Coates is writing the screenplay. Deadline is saying this is a reboot, but that's it. No idea if it's connected in any way to the DCEU or if Henry Cavill is coming back for it. There were also rumors after this was reported that Warner Brothers is looking to introduce a black Superman with this movie, which would make sense since this would be a reboot. Storyline-wise, it could work as its own separate thing or bring him in after the Flash movie makes some changes. However, I do hope to see Henry Cavill as Superman one more time. I need that Man of Steel too. Alright, so for the rest of the podcast, we are going to talk about Viacom, CBS, and Paramount+, Plus because they are making moves. First up is, they too are changing their theatrical release window. During their investor meeting, they announced that their movies would be going to the streaming platform 30 to 45 days after their theatrical release, and confirmed, at a minimum, Mission Impossible 7, Quiet Place Part 2, and Paw Patrol will have this rollout. Now, those are some big, big titles heading to streaming, at what looks to be no extra cost. As for what movies constitute 30 days, we'll have to wait and see. Those three I mentioned 
uh, I believe are 45 days after release. But one thing I noticed is while they were bragging about their movies this year, going to streaming, I noticed Top Gun Maverick was not talked about. For a movie coming out this summer, you would think they would tout that as a get for streaming, but they did not. This makes me wonder if they are being very flexible and they think it can last a full two months or even three in theaters. Besides this, there are obvious questions about the rollout. When is the physical release for these movies after Paramount Plus release? And if so, how far down the road? How about VOD or PVOD for renting? These are uh, things that need to be worked on. However, overall, I think this is the best exclusive window for both them and theaters. Let's be honest. Most movies, unless it is during Christmas time, or it's one of those one or two event movies a year like The Avengers, which has crazy legs, most make their black office gross in under a month. That's just the case. So a 45-day window for theaters is fair because they still get like 95% of customers that would have gone anyway. And for the studio, they can plan out advertising for when the movie uh, for when the movie is on their platform and get new subscribers. So overall, win-win all around. Just have to wait and see how they advertise and implement this new model. Jumping right into VOD Premium, let's go over some of the announcements from Viacom CBS about Paramount Plus and what they have to convince you to join. Here are some of the quick details. They plan to have over 2,500 films and 30,000 episodes of TV shows available. For new content, there is a Yellowstone spinoff starring Jeremy Renner. The live-action Halo show will move from Showtime and be a Paramount Plus exclusive coming next year. Frasier and Criminal Minds will both be coming back for a revival series. Star Trek is getting another animated TV series. Avatar is making a comeback with the original creators forming a studio at Paramount just for Avatar content, which right now includes a theatrical movie and then a TV show for this platform. Oh my god, I'm so excited for that. Beavis and Butthead is coming back along with Rugrats and another live-action version of Fairly Odd Parents, if you're interested. For other movies, Viacom CPS worked out a deal with Epic that TV channel that MGM owns under the New Deal after MGM movies have finished their theatrical run. They will be available on Paramount Plus right now. That includes big movies like No Time to Die and Creed 3 whenever they come out. As for pricing, there will be two tiers. The first is for $10 per month, ad-free, and includes everything. In June, there will be an ad-supported model for $5 per month that has mostly everything, but not all live sports and not all CBS programming like live news. So that's a lot to digest, and it is not everything announced but it gets the point across my first thoughts is that they're doing everything they can do the big issue with streaming service going in is besides Tom Cruise Transformers and old movies Paramount as a brand does not have much meaning with today's audience it's good that they are digging deep into their TV network IP and making deals to get other content onto the service I also like to applaud any executive at Viacom CBS who realized what a goldmine they have with the Avatar IP and fired the people at Nickelodeon, hopefully, on how they treated the creators with the last seasons of Korra. The fact that they are not just making something, but getting a whole studio to make content is great and shows that they trust them. I do think, while some things like that are smart moves and focused, other announcements were scattershot and felt like it was there just to fill up service. Like another live-action Fairly Odd Parents or a weekly show with Trevor Noah, were people really interested in those? And by the way, no offense to Noah, I think he's funny. But is that the kind of content that gets more subs? Overall, though, I think the price point is fair for what they're offering, and it does feel like they're not half-assing half it. They're coming in last into streaming wars, and they know it's an uphill battle. And I do think, down the road, if it works out for them, one of the key things is going to be live TV. I think live NFL games, live news, might give them the boost they need, considering no other streaming service has that. Now, am I going to subscribe with Halo and more Avatar? Absolutely. But when that stuff comes out, and not at launch. 
And that'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Seats. Question for the episode is, with what was announced, is it enough to convince you to sign up for Paramount Plus? Let me know in the comments on Facebook. Link to it is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Thank you.